Isn't the Lord good today? He's always good. He's for us. We welcome you here. If you're visiting with us, a special blessing on you. Thank you for joining us today. Everyone's a blessing. Uh, this is, uh, I think, our 22nd summer. Actually, Carrie, you help me with this. I think we're starting our 22nd summer here uh, since the church started. How time quickly goes by. and um, We believe that God has called us uh, to do uh, great things to him. I say that not boastingly or pridefully, but he is doing great things for you. You're, you're making a difference where you work and where you live. You, when you go with the Lord in you, you leave it better than when, it, when you first came. And so that's God's way. He says to his children, to the children of Israel, we read in Joshua that you're going to inherit the land. And he gave them that promise, that confidence. This is kind of skipping ahead of Vern's. Uh, we're still, they're still floundering a little bit with uh, obeying. They're getting the commandments on Wednesday nights. So we'll have a great uh, teaching, good teaching, good solid biblical teaching. Vern, thank you for helping us with uh, many of the truths applied to Scripture. Old Testament is still valid today. Uh, although it may not pertain to everything to us, a lot of the ceremonial laws with God's Ten Commandments still hold true. We believe that there is, uh, they're all to us as God's character. That's how we're to live. That's our foundation. And the New Testament just carries it on further. Jesus completed the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus comes so that we can fulfill the law. And our righteousness is not by a list of do's and don'ts, but it becomes our character. It becomes who we are. It becomes our DNA to Jesus Christ. It becomes our, we're bonded, our family. And so Philippians has been our, the letter that we've been reviewing. Uh, Paul's letter to the church of Philippi was a letter to, he sent uh, through a servant named Epaphroditus. And he, he was thanking the people. He wanted to get the word to them with thankfulness, so thankful that he received a gift twice from them. He wanted to encourage them on. And so now we're in the fourth chapter. This is probably one of my, one of my favorite chapters throughout the whole entire scripture because it deals with a, an attitude. And we kind of picked up on this attitude thing. It deals with the attitude of gratitude. And that's usually a Thanksgiving message right there. But how about being thankful all every day? Amen. I found that if I'm thankful for what I have instead of what I don't have, I have a better day. How does that work? Well, I believe that the Lord's people, we are already so blessed that we don't, we actually, if we didn't get anything else, we'd still be blessed. But God is gracious and he's merciful and he's a good God. And he provides for us over and over and over again. Just when you didn't think you had enough strength, somewhere with the help of the Lord, he got you through it. And this is, a, this, is, this is new every morning. This is something. I've been praying today for you that we would receive a refreshing. A refreshing. I just think that sometimes we need to take a spiritual drink from the well of God. Amen. A good, a good gulp or two, and that will drink in. That will be, 
that when we, when we leave this place, we will say it's been good to meet with the Lord. It has been good to be in the house of the Lord. So Paul, we start, he has, he has spoke to them about humility, has spoke to them about the confidence that he has in his God, and he who began a good work in you shall continue. He's confident in that very thing that, that God is the one building the church. God takes care of his people. And when we begin to carry things that we ought not to, I'm speaking to a sometimes we, we have to transfer our burden onto the Lord. We cannot handle it on our own. I'm going to say amen. amen. It's better to transfer it on the Lord. It's not that you stop caring, but you care for. You begin to pray. You become an intercessor. You become the person that is helping the situation through prayer. And so there is not a a uh, church or a church family or a community or a workplace. There's not probably a single place you can find that is not without conflict. How do I know that? Well, the scripture alludes to this. A conflict is without conflict. Um, we don't really learn how to be patient. Without conflict, we don't learn how to persevere. We don't learn how to love people in spite. No? Love people in spite of. And so there's chapter 4. There's conflict. A couple of people are mentioned. We don't know a lot about them. But let me read for you verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. What a phrase. What Paul's saying, you are the reason I can keep going. You are part of the reason that I get up, and though I'm in chains, though it's not very fun here in this prison, that there is a better place that there's something better that's coming. And that is when the Lord takes us out of this place to be with him forever and ever. This joy and crown it says, so stand firm in the Lord. There's something about that phrase saying, stand firm. Sometimes I feel like, well, we've got to keep doing something. But here he's saying, stand firm. Just be firm, just stand, be stationed. Be immovable. What is that talking about? That's talking about your faith. Our faith is growing. Our faith needs to keep growing. Our faith will be tested. Our faith sometimes is not where I would want it to be. But through it all, I want to keep pressing on. Then all this conflict, I urge Udiah, that's the closest I can get to pronouncing that one. And I urge Cintiq, and that's the closest I can get to pronouncing that word, that name, to live in harmony. Well, he alludes to, what he alludes to, that there's some conflict, there's some tension. 
there's some, uh, there's this, this little friction that is happening between them. But notice how he says to live in harmony in the Lord. In other words, I can't live in harmony as I ought to without the Lord. So with the Lord's help, there can be unity in the body of Christ. How many know that's a good thing? Three. All right, come on. How many know it's a good thing? In fact, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. The psalmist said that uh, they're like two brothers. There's nothing, he said something in the effect that like two brothers who dwell together. They're in unity. They're in one-mindedness. They're in one-heartedness. Their visions are the same. But see, sometimes what happens in any relationship that there are misunderstandings. Sometimes there are things said that weren't meant to be said or taken the way they were said in conflicts. How many know what I'm talking about? How many married people know what I'm talking about? Come on. And brothers and sisters. And sometimes, you know what? We got to admit that we were wrong. Oh, boy. The old flesh, the old self, doesn't like to admit I was wrong. Right, Anna? We don't like to be wrong because we like to be right. We like to be on top of it. But listen, Scripture teaches us to think about others more than ourselves. That's huge. Think about others more. Put our others first. And so we're learners. We're developing. We're walking together. The fact of the matter is we're better together than not. We can do more as a team, as a body, than we can separately. We're meant to dwell together in unity. And so we go on. Verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit. We don't use words like forbearing. How are you, or how are you doing today, sir? How is your forbearing spirit going? You ever thought of that? Well, what is forbearing? It has to do... What are you projecting? Fourth bearing. What is your countenance? What is your attitude? Oh, sometimes we could feel it. Huh? Sometimes we could feel tension. Other times we feel, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. This guy just brings the joy of the Lord with him. What is all that about? That is ultimate, that is contagious, by the way. And so working on a job, helping a, a poor this week, basically didn't know what I was for sure getting into, just kind of knew the acquaintance. And so come on over. You, I just need somebody to finish the concrete force. Okay. I've heard that before. And so we, we, we get there, and they keep talking about this one guy that's supposed to come. And we had three. We had, we had enough. We got the pour down. 
that this one guy, you know, they kept talking to him. He's going to show up, and he's going to have an excuse. It was like they already knew that he was going to be late, that he was already working hard to get out of the job. It was funny. This guy shows up, and he just exactly the way they said it described him. He had this, this well, that's... Looks to me like I got here just about the right time, you know, and it's already down, and so forth. And so we laughed. And this guy loves Jesus, and so he, he, he was, you know, we we're okay with him. We're okay. He's just kind of rolling with it. We're kind of having fun. I said, but I got this idea. Uh, he come late, huh? I said, I'll give you a mag. Here, guy. You know, just, uh, just, just, just try it. He's never touched concrete before. I just, I just going to use it like this. Boy, he was doing pretty good. And I said, look at this. Get a picture of this. Get a picture of this. This guy's putting effort in. He's working. Now he's, he can say, I helped. Right? He helped. Boy, loosen up. That's, that's sometimes we get to loosen up, take a breath of fresh air, say, God is in control God is the one we have reason to rejoice. This is a new day. Whatever happened yesterday or the week or whatever, whatever may be troubling us because of past can be forgotten. Exactly what Paul was describing in a previous chapter. I forget about the things that lie behind. I forget about the stuff, the things I messed up with. And even the things that may have blessed me, I can't live in the past. There's always more new challenges coming. There's always another. You just get through one challenge. Someone said that the Christian life is not one uh, huge battle, and though in some ways it is, but it's one small battle or many battles, many battles coming over and over and over. And just as soon as you put this fire out and another fire, you know, you just fix this piece of equipment and this. Are you tracking with me? This is life. This is how we live. Our attitude, in other words, we will be tested in conflicts or, or in relationships, but our, our, our goal, our fact, our, our resource is not in our stuff, but it's in people. It, our, re, our greatest resource is in relationship with God and relationship with family, relationship with community. That's our greatest gifts that we can have. So now we get to these wonderful words that Paul just drops on us. He says, be anxious for nothing. How many would say, I got anxious last week once or twice? Oh, I'm the only one. Thank you. It's okay. Be anxious. For nothing. How can we not be anxious? What will help us is when we begin to pray 
instead of carrying it ourselves. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You see, if you were to reason with the Lord, if you're like me, well, Lord, you already know my problems. But he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall not, uh, it shall be open. Or seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. In other words, the mere fact of confessing your need, asking is humiliating. Asking lowers the pride thing. Asking God, uh, making a request, but with an attitude of thankfulness. But Lord, all that you've already given me is still, I am blessed more than I deserve. I've been given more than I deserve, yet I, I, I still sense that you want to show me something. Could it be that God is more interested in the prayer, prayer than the prayer. Did you catch that? <laughs> More interested in your attitude. James said it this way, you have not because you ask not, but you ask with wrong motives, right? Remember reading that? You ask with selfish motives. And so this, this portion of scripture helps me zero in what am I already thankful for? What, have I, what, if, what if nothing was ever else was really given to me? I still have enough in Jesus. I'm so thankful. You see, while I was yet a sinner, oh, yeah, while I was still in my sins, Christ died for me. Well, when I was ignorant, Paul, thought he was doing God a service by killing Christians before he was converted and Jesus came to him and, and opened his real eyes to him. Well, you say Paul had a wonderful salvation. He had this miraculous uh, thing happen to him. Well, God knows what it takes to crack the nuts, right? God knows what it takes. And for Paul, it took something severe. Now, Paul is not off the hook because he's a Christian now. He doesn't get out of trials. In fact, all the more, he has jumped ship. He's switched sides. He's now on the Lord's side, and the enemy is not happy about it. That's just exactly what happens when people come to Christ. Well, we thought that we were, we were going to have it a lot easier. And sometimes we don't explain, listen, we're going to help you. God's going to help you get to the next stage, the next place. God's going to help you arise over the occasions. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the enemy hates it when people come to Christ. And he'll do everything he can to take and discourage. Granted, every time you step out for God, 
in some form or fashion, you can almost expect a retaliation. We learn to move and have our being. We learn to not walk in fear. We're learning to walk with the faith that comes through uh, trusting in him. And this kind of praying, and this kind of attitude, we're just backing up, reading verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, how are we doing on that? Pretty good. Some days better. Some days need a little boost, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. So for an old Norwegian, me, uh, this is as excited as I get, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, if I get my hand up, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Or, you know, there's people that are, they're, they're personalities. You think they live on cloud nine all the time. But you'd be surprised when they have their moments. They get down in the mully grubs, right? Everyone has a breaking point. But we need to know how to get out of the mully grubs. We need to know where to go. Where do we turn? And this kind of praying, this with thanksgiving, helps us gain control over the flesh, over the, you see, we have this spirit, right? We're, we, we have a spirit, and God says, I bear witness, bear witness to your spirit. Really what salvation is, is conversion is God's spirit joining with your spirit, right? Does that make sense? Now, when he comes into your heart, now your eyes are open, your spiritual eyes. This is Paul said that you, you were dead in your sins. You were unconcerned. You just lived for yourself. You didn't care if you hurt someone, whatever it takes to get to where you want to go. It was just a doggy dog world, right? But Jesus comes to open our eyes, change us so that we can live right. Does this make sense? Little by little. But listen, even after we're saved, we have moments where we may feel unsaved. Listen, at those moments, you go back to your word and say, I'm going to trust God's word, not my feelings. My sins, I... I've confessed, I've acknowledged Jesus, I need him. Uh, it says that his blood took it away, 1 John 1, 9. Oh, yeah, he, he doesn't remember it anymore, right? Uh, so God is like, what's got you down? But he knows your heart and your mind. So, but he wants you to converse with him. He wants you to talk it out with him. Yeah, let's see, I see the greatest, greatest, person to go is God himself when you're down. And then the next step is to find somebody, at least someone that you can trust and confide in, pray together, lean on each other a little bit. But, you know, God can take anything. He, can, he understands it all. And so when you read this passage, how do we get up? You pray. 
you begin to thank God, you begin to speak the word out loud if necessary to your spirit man. You begin to listen what the word is saying to you and this is a promise. This is not what I promise. This is what God promises. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can't put a price tag, price tag on the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This is a supernatural thing that happens. This is because God is peace. God is a God of peace. God is not the author of confusion. God wants you to live in peace. And if I'm not in peace, I need him more. I understand I need to seek him. Press in. Believe God. I do believe there will be times when we go through storms in our life. Spiritual storms, spiritual warfare, spiritual things that are happening. We don't know exactly what is going on, but we sense there's something going on. Something is coming against us. We need to turn to Jesus and speak to this thing in the name of Jesus. Lord, speak to this situation right now. Take authority over it. In the name of Jesus, you have been given the authority to pray over your children, over your situation, over your home. Pray even on the streets and the highways and the byways. I found myself, uh, I learned this from my pastor growing up. He would pray for the farms. Anytime he'd be traveling, he'd be praying for the houses. If he knew their names, he'd call their names. If he didn't know their names, he'd just blessed at home. He, that, this is how he lived. You see, what, what we got to understand is that there, there's a spiritual dimension that is taking on and shapes and sh forms. And how many have ever felt, oh, just heavy feeling driving into a strange community? Maybe you're on vacation. There are areas of, of, of communities, darkness. It's just sensitive. So we need, we need the covering. We need the full armor. And so we're, we're learning how to fight the good fight. And so the next step is after you prayed, what are you going to think about? What, what, are you, what is your mind dwelling on? He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true. What he's saying, if this is someone that's stuck in chains, you talk about a challenge that had... What did Paul, how did he get through it? This is how he got through it. He thought, what, he thought of whatever's honorable. He thought about whatever's right. He thought about whatever's pure. He thought whatever's lovely, whatever's of a good repute. If there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And let me tell you right now, whenever you turn on the news, there's nothing good. Is there very rarely... Boy, if you sit and dwell on all that, what begins to happen? Oh, it's terrible. You just feel this miserableness. Let's be a people. We understand the times we live in. We don't want to be, you know, ignorant about what's going on so we can pray about it, so we can intercede. You know, let's, let's take the land that God is giving. Let's take that he's 
he's called you in, into a place. He's, he's given to you a home. He's given to you a family. He's given to you a workplace. These are all blessings, gifts from God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so I had three points. Um, it really comes down to how does one get peace? That was number one. That came through the prayer. That came through rejoicing. It comes through setting your mind on the right things. Secondly, uh, practicing, practicing thinking on things that are good. How many work at that? That's good. That's good. Uh, there's an old saying, if someone sees the glass half empty or half full, right? How many like to work with people that are positive and they say, we can do this, and they shoot for it and they go for it? Those, that's an attitude, a practicing, a thinking about people that got it a lot worse than yourself. I begin to think, oh, wow, what do I have to really complain about? <clears throat> what about those folks? They're living on hardly nothing. Maybe they have health issues. Maybe there's a broken home situation. I couldn't be God for one second. He carries every heart's brokenness, every situation all at the same time. He knows what's going on all at the same time. And he knows your name. And he knows where you live. Aren't we blessed? And he's preparing a place. And he's saying, my children, don't give up. Don't stop now running the race. Don't stop short of the blessing. I relate to this little time I had out here one winter. The frost came. The sewer was backed up and freezing. Well, what would happen? Here's what happened. Here's what happened. <laughs> the wicking from the furnace was plumbed into the gravity feed which a slow dribble over time built ice. So of course it has to happen about when it's 20 below. And so being an experienced, you know, person with a torch and 50 gallon waters to heat water and sand in the winter for block work, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna heat water. I'm gonna get a little cir circulating surging pump and I worked all day after three o'clock going on and on and I kept measuring myself I gotta be close and just as I was giving up just as I was pulling the pipes saying I'm just I'm not gonna get through this I heard a gurgle she broke loose a whoosh Thought came to me, how many times we stop just before the breakthrough? We quit. We give up. 
just on the edge. We're just on the edge. God, you'd bring in one, two, three, four more families, and we begin to almost double. See what I'm thinking? We're just on the edge. People are everywhere. All they need is someone to be their friend. I don't have all the answers. I stopped. I, I knew that right away. <laughs> that people really don't, I guess I learned this as I went along, people really don't care what you have to say. Do they know you care about them? It's relational. You understand that God takes your pain your trial, your situation, so that you can relate to another person and similar. And he begins to weave that together and so, somehow he forms this unity. That families who have been through stuff and have chose to stick together, churches that have been through stuff and chose to stick together are stronger. And they're more equipped to face the next battle. I'm going to leave this last portion for next time. We're going to deal with contentment. Not to be confused with complacent. There's a whole lot of difference. And just a preview, a contentment is an attitude If you only had this much, if you only had a few things, you'd still be happy. Versus if you were, it was all taken away. Contentment. And that's Paul's attitude. Whether little or much, it's not the stuff. who has you it's who has you I want him to have me you want him to have you you're content there's nothing much here holding you back if he calls you home you're ready you're ready it's not that we want to do good things it's, it's okay to have fun and want to do good things travel do whatever do your projects. Exercise your gifts. But if they were all taken away, would we notice? One more story. Remember when we had this recession? Well, there's a couple times. We know that I wasn't old enough to the Great Depression. That, that's, uh, you know, that's 30s, right? 30s. Dust Bowl days, they say. Everything dried up. Economy went to the tubes. But then we've had little recessions. Uh, talking to some of my family and some of my, their friends and neighbors, and they, they, they didn't know what happened. They were just used to living with simple, simple lives. Well, 
wouldn't it be amazing we'd find ourselves it's just we're lost in the presence we're lost in the joy of the Lord oh we need more of that to get caught up I wonder if we could just soak in a bit today soak from his presence Anna you got a song eternal loose let's just soak the presence let's just reach out to God let's just dwell with him let's just take a few moments we're early yet it's only 8 minutes to noon let's take a few minutes and just dwell in his presence